Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Long live Tog. Okay. Man, you're, still, you're still hitting it, man. Yeah, I'm a beefy guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In your mind. Yeah, you guys are getting the whole behind the scenes view. Tog, you ready to, uh, to do it? Let's do it. Talk Recorded live. Let there be music. Wow. Welcome to Cellar Dwellers Home Winemaking Talkcast with Dave Nelson and the other guy. All right, it's the uh, Cellar Dwellers back on the air again. And I, uh, I, I'm going to take total blame tonight. <laughs> well, last week or, or two weeks ago, it was technical difficulties. In other words, I screwed up as usual. The, the numbers the, the guy, numbers had guy coming it, right, out his right, ears. Right. It was bad. It was bad. Tonight's my fault. I was here on time and realized I forgot the wine and had to turn around and drive home, and I got every Which red is light. Like the ultimate sin. Oh. I mean, you can't come to a an internet wine tasting. Without the wine. Virtual wine. I beg for forgiveness tonight. All right. So we are the Cellar Dwellers. um, 18 minutes late starting our show tonight, which... Which means we're about 20 minutes early. We're well ahead of time compared to, uh, you know, well ahead of schedule compared to last week. Um, We didn't have the... uh, We laid off a little bit, you know, last time. And so we had like a lot of glitches there. We, We couldn't get the recording to start. Then we couldn't get the music to play. And we got it playing. Then we couldn't get it to stop. And that was after all the audio problems we had. So, uh, you know, the the better your company gets, the worse the show gets. I don't get it. <laughs> is there, it's like incongruent. There's something yeah, going talk on show here. Is cooking well? Maybe it's because I'm spending all my time on talk show and helping everyone else do their shows. You know, so this one has been. And we're really going shoe, in the cellar. <laughs> the shoemaker's children, baby. Right. They're going barefoot. Right. Wow. Well. We didn't really introduce ourselves. Uh, it, we're here two minutes into the show, typically sort of blown it already. I am Dave Nelson, uh, cellar dweller number three tonight, mic number three. And Mike you number are. Three. I'd be the other guy on mic two. The passion. So I'm one ahead one. of you tonight. You are. You've really moved up, and I moved down. Nobody's on mic one tonight, which means pretty much nobody's in control, which, you know, what else is. How would you describe our show now? I mean, we're a home winemaking podcast, but we also we, we talk about wine in general terms, too. So it's not just for home winemakers. Would you agree with that? I think that's true. In fact, I would say that, that home winemaking has greatly improved my knowledge of wine in general. Uh, ability to to taste things definitely the, the whole process of starting with a grape and following it through fermentation and then oaking and aging and all the different combinations that you can do uh, you know so I think it's turned into a little bit more of a wine show but anchored of course on home winemaking and uh, I think every week we endeavor to give some advice on home winemaking and this this week will be no different either in part one of the show which happens live, or part two, which is recorded live but comes out a week later, we will talk a bit about 
bottling and, uh, you know, which relates to the theme of last show, oxygenation and the issues with that. Of course, we've got some great wine news. Uh, the cork controversy continues. The wine health news uh, gets better and better every week. Uh, we've got some phenomenal samples here in the uh, studio, courtesy of Jay Johnson. We'll be talking about those as we go. And uh, a somewhat, I wouldn't say humorous, but tongue-in-cheek article on uh, top ten things to know about wine. Oh, Not just good. home winemaking, but about wine in general. Sounds great, but I had I have had a lot of friends say, "Gosh, do you have to be into home winemaking to tune into the show?" But you really don't. I mean, you just right, have to be into wine, right? I think if you're into wine, we're going to talk wine news. We've got email from listeners about great email wine. We're going to hit wine news and a topic tonight of bottling. But before we get into anything, the important part of the show, which really sort of lubricates the show, you know, we used to do this shtick about the more you drink the better we sound. Unless, of course, and then we'd throw out something that you shouldn't be doing while you're listening to the show, or you shouldn't be drinking while doing. Unless, of course, you're voting Republican in Allegheny County. (laughs) (laughs) A little political humor. Uh, Pittsburgh has, uh, what, about 70 years of Democratic administrations uh, straight together. So uh, I personally love Pittsburgh as a Californian by birth, but you know, the city does not exactly have its act totally together, and uh, <laughs> one might – I'm just going to attribute that. I'm not going to say the, the Democrats are bad or Republicans are good, but I think single-party rule, just like they figured out in Mexico with the PRI, the PRI uh, ruling for 71 years coincidentally before they elected uh, – what was it? Vincente Fox – one-party rule is not a good thing. It needs to bounce back and forth. There needs to be some checks and balances. And uh, by the way, I'll, I'll go way out on a limb and say I don't think we were so well served with a Republican president and a Republican Congress. And, uh, you know, I think the two-party system is a great thing. All right. There you go. But but we're getting to the important part. So Hopefully but, the wine will be better than your political <laughs> review. Let's just say the more you drink, the better, the we, better sound. we sound. That's just true. And pick your own caveat. Maybe by next week we can get the official caveat back on the air. We shall see. So to the topic of drinking, uh, Mr. Passionate One, Tog, the other guy, what did you bring for us tonight? Tonight, the virtual... It's really not virtual. I mean, no, you're it's actually internet. It. It's, it's internet, internet distributed. It's only virtual. Internet wine tasting. For That's those better. Of you I like that better. Listening on your iPods while driving to work on Wednesday morning. For you, it will have to be a virtual wine tasting. Yeah, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, let's just, just change say the fluid in that Starbucks was, cup. That's it was all. Tog that endorsed that one, uh, Mr. ATF agent. Well, tonight we are drinking. One of my favorite wineries, Valley of the Moon. Uh, everything I've had, in fact, I, I cooked up a wonderful dinner tonight, some chicken with some pasta with walnuts, olive oil, garlic, gorgonzola, no, um, feta cheese, and, and grilled chicken, and we had a delicious Valley of the Moon uh, white wine tonight. But, to, but tonight for the uh, internet tasting, we are having Valley of the Moon Sangiovese. I, we happen to have the 2003, I believe on the last podcast, I said try to pick up an 04 or 05. And you actually found an 03 in Pennsylvania where I, we I, usually I, get the fresh stuff. 
I bought an 05, but I found an 03 in my cellar today. Ooh. You are the man. And uh, Valley of the Moon is just, uh, I think, one of the very uh, up-and-coming and and outstanding wineries in California. Um, Really cool bottles. They have this sort of frosted, painted-on logo on all of their bottles. Um, They make an excellent, excellent Zinfandel, uh, a Pinot Gris, um, the Sangiovese, they make an okay Cabernet. That's probably the weakest of their of their wineries, but I of their wines. Concur but that the Zinfandel is Zin fabulous, is, spe- is spectacular. And by the way, I must say to our um, loyal audience, all three of you out there, that when the passionate one describes his cooking, there's two things I like about hanging out with the passionate one. One is we're always laughing, drinking or not, we're always laughing. But the other one is your cooking. It is phenomenal. Oh, phenomenal! I'm verklempt. <laughs> I remember uh, a, a ski trip uh, not too long ago, where you know we're out skiing all day, so you're hungry anyway. And anything's uh, going to taste anything's good. Anything's going to taste good. But the passionate one comes up with a vision for a. Uh, what would you call that? A seafood pasta that we yeah. had that night. Yeah. And so we're out at the at the uh, Safeway after skiing. Our legs are barely supporting us, and we got some. Uh, I remember getting some salmon, uh, some shrimp. Uh, we got clams and clam juice that night. Uh, a nice pasta. Uh, there were a bunch of other fish in there. I forget the white fish that was in there, but no recipe whatsoever. The passionate one is. You know, pulling things here and there and boiling this and that and simmering this and that. And that was a phenomenal, phenomenal meal. And like you said, after skiing tastes great. So, and and this goes together with the whole concept of the show. I mean, wine, a lot of the shows we do, check out some of our previous podcasts, wine and food combinations. Uh, Hey, life doesn't get much better than that. All right, but looking at the listener comments here, both from Poway Slugger and from uh, David out in California, they both said, you know, essentially, uh, I've never seen a bottle of Valley of the Moon uh, Sangiovese. Um, Poway Slugger, where, where's Poway Slugger? Where do you live? Yeah, we're going to have to see what he says. Is there. he out of jail? <laughs> 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 they may not have it at the store. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I you think. Know. The mystery is solved. If we can find it in Pennsylvania, come on. You've got to be able to find it. Yeah, we generally don't get uh, phenomenal uh, vino out here. But, by the way, Valley of the Moon Winery, just checking their website. And I must say, uh, a very, very nice website. Comes out of Glen Ellen. It is, very, it is one of the better websites, for Glen sure. Glen Ellen, California. So, David, at least for you, there's uh, no excuse for not being able to find this stuff. Um, and, by the way, if you do track it down, Go with the Zinfandel. That is the uh, the one to try. So we may be doing our uh, internet wine tasting here relatively alone tonight, passionate one, because I think we've picked a vino that's hard to find. What are you tasting in uh, mm. in this one? I'm going to let it breathe because I got here late and just opened it. Uh, a, a fair amount of tannins. But here's one thing that's very interesting on the Sangiovese. I didn't realize that this is 14.8% alcohol. It's going to be a good show tonight. That, we're going to sound better in about 40 minutes. <laughs> At least to ourselves. That is, um, that is quite high. Uh, that's, that's, I don't know that I've had any, uh, many red wines that high or higher. Uh, even Zins, which get pretty high. Well, when we were doing our bike trip, I do remember we had some really hard Zins. Um, 
what was the one? It was Hopkiln, right? Remember Hopkiln? They had a Zin that was that was the one of the highest. It was like fifteen point six or something like had, that. Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. And and yet, I, I don't know. The Zin actually, I think, can handle a very high level of alcohol better than a lot of varietals. So um, it does say on the tasting notes for this wine, uh, they describe it as a youthful grape tannin, and it is very uh, tanniny. I think this wine would be. Uh, you know, frankly, it's delicious now, but it's going to be great in five years. I, w- I, I would say this could definitely use a few years in the cellar for sure. Uh, the the kinds of flavors that you should be tasting in this one, and I must say that this is just too tight. We just opened this as the passionate one walked in the door, so hard to uh, pull all this out of there. But you're going to taste some uh, some strawberries. In fact, I think a very strong uh, strawberry flavor, rhubarb. Which is an interesting flavor to pull I've out. I've never of a, heard of rhubarb before, but once you once you see or read or hear that, uh, you can definitely taste that type of what would you call that sort of rooty fruit. Well, I mean, and a, a rhubarb is also uh, somewhat of a, a tannic. So, you know, it, it sort of sucks that water out of your mouth, and I think that uh, once the suggestion of rhubarb is there, combined with the tannins, you can definitely pick that up, and then. Uh, of course, it's a, a good oak and uh, maybe some uh, cinnamon and some spice. Maybe a little spice. I would say this this is very good, and I think in about a half an hour it's going to be even better, obviously. But this is a bottle I would definitely let go. I've had this in my cellar for, for a couple of years. But uh, this is one I would let go about another three or four years. Um, so, Sangiovese, obviously the main grape. We don't know all of the uh, percentages in, in this uh, particular wine, but um, quite tasty. would be delicious with, I'm tasting it with a really a nice um, uh, grilled meat would be fantastic. Well, I will tell you that we actually do know a little bit about the uh, percentages here. Uh-oh, um, on the website. You're yes, pulling it up. I, I um, actually just moved off the uh, proper page, so uh, let's do a little bit of uh, time killer. This is 100%. 100%. That's rare. Pinot Noir. No. Yep. That's what it says. For Sangiovese. Well, maybe their website's wrong, but they claim it's 100% Pinot That's Noir. That's like saying the DMC's 100% Republican. <laughs> <laughs> This was a great website. <laughs> what is this? A Chinese Oops, website? What are you, where are you taking me? I'm quoting it off the website. Holy Sangiovese is 100% Pinot Noir. It's right that, there in writing. Good. That might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard on this show. <laughs> are you accusing me of being unable to read? That is what it says. I'm reading yep, it. Absolutely. I, a year later, I got a monitor, by the way. <laughs> oh, man. I worked that hard is to absurd. get <laughs> Yep, absolutely. Oh, we've got to call the Valley of the Moon, folks. <laughs> I think we do. We're in trouble. Now, I like Plus, it says only 2,000, 2,100 cases. No wonder people. Yeah, which There's be... got to be more than that. I found this in Pennsylvania. Yeah, Come let's. On. well, maybe it's the, the PLCB has locked up all the production. Uh, looking at their Zinfandel. Well, no, this is, this is interesting. It says for their Zinfandel, which is, I think, their classic. Uh, which is, by the way, 100% Zinfandel. Uh, they only had um, 5,900 cases. So um, yeah, go figure. 
That that is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Sangiovese has one hundred percent wine grapes. Oh, there you go. So oh, uh, I didn't pick a good wine. Oh man. Well, before we move on to listener email, I've got to share one quick story. Uh, since we've it's been two weeks since since we've been live, I had a wonderful. How about the weather here in Pittsburgh? We finally got some spring oh, weather in man. the seventies. It's been gorgeous. We're long overdue. Now understand, we were dealing with snow flurries a week ago. A week ago, right? oh, unbelievable! And gray and dark and rain and snow. It's Not been only horrible. did we have to pay taxes on april 16th but we had to deal with the weather here it was like doubly depressing it was depressing i'm glad we didn't have to be on the air that day by the way we being programming geniuses are going right up against the number one show on television showing no fear american idol well it's not the finale of american idol i believe they are down to the final they're down to the last two no 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 i'm watching it regularly it's either they're down to seven or six tonight as we speak no i beg to differ Oh, you want to put some money on and this? And I have no idea. I've never watched the show. I'm just, I just want to differ. Yeah, okay. Well, you differ, as you often do, and you'll be wrong, as you often are. <laughs> well, let me just share one quick story about, because this is home, home winemaking predominantly. This past weekend, I was on a, on a Boy Scout camp out with my son in, in Penn, Western PA. Beautiful, beautiful weekend, beautiful uh, uh, campsite and all that. But I met a dad there. And somehow around the campfire, we started talking about wine. And, of course, I had a share of, about the uh, cellar dwellers and uh, how the numbers guy and I make wine together. And another dad has been making homemade wine for the past two years. Okay. But he described a phenomenon mm-hmm. of his wine always exploding. Like That's how he described it. Exploding Explo- the exploding, bottles would blow apart or something. Exploding the little in, – in carboys, but the – the um, trap, the the water trap with on on his the airlock, car, the airlock, just just b- exploding sometimes, and it took exploding. It took most of the night around a campfire to, to figure out what he was doing. Well, as it turns out, yes. Very nice guy. He's an engineer, which maybe explains a lot <laughs> of it. That's gonna, yeah. There's one strike may, against him. <laughs> may explain a lot of it. Was fermenting in the carboy. And then throwing the bung cap with the um, the uh, airlock on top of it, and then starting fermentation. But wait, he he had an he still had an airlock on it while fermenting. He was fermenting in the carboy with an airlock on it. Right now, the airlock would typically release pressure, but my Not theory with the cap coming well, up. That's exactly right. So you get it all way more up with. With carbon dioxide coming out of fermentation at that point, then you'll have secondary while you're aging in a barrel. Well, I I would bet, not having seen a setup, that uh, because we actually experienced this a little bit even post-fermentation after we would press, but there's still a few grapes in there, uh, or seeds especially, um, you can get that airlock sort of you know, gummed up, as it were. But can you imagine primary fermentation filling a carboy up with the crushed grapes no, and the juice. First of all, how a, are you going to get it out of there? That's You put all those grape skins he, in a carboy that has a little two-inch well, opening. Then he confessed wait, to wait, me. Wait, how did he get the grapes in there? That's got to be one heck of a project. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but he shoved it in there. <laughs> this is amazing. Okay. Then he confessed that he's not a wine drinker. That was a shock. 
<laughs> after this story. But his wife was, and she was a hoot. But he looked at me with desperate eyes and said, I need help. I, I said, need help. well, you need to tune into this show. And they are going – I promised him that – I we you and I can go together I'm, or I'm going to help him out this fall because he he's be, has since become very interested in winemaking. He's not a big wine drinker yet, but he'll get there he said. And this fall, this is one of the things I love about home winemaking. It's such, such a like a brotherhood. I I feel totally obligated to go down and help this gentleman. Derek is his name. Uh, with his home winemaking. And I talked to him about fermentation vats, fermentation, and then pressing into the carboys. He had no idea. He just sort of bought some juice down in the Strip District, which is a local produce area, the main produce area in Pittsburgh. Not he, to be co- confused with the Strip District in certain other cities. In most other cities. Right. right. Ours is, uh, you it's can bring actually, the family. Yeah. And, uh, and so it, it was just a great story of someone, a novice, getting into it. And I said, boy... This is a great opportunity to really get into it and do it right, and you'll be amazed what kind of wine you can make. So now for, I hope Derek will tune in, and uh, this fall I've dedicated myself to helping him out. Well, and in fact, I think that that's good advice for any of you out there that have not yet made wine. Find somebody who does and buddy up with them because, uh, I mean, you'll learn something, but more importantly, you'll get to drink something. Yeah, and, and get the basics going. And it was unfortunate because he had some investment into this and uh, and then through the course of the conversation, the troop grand poobah leader for the Western Pennsylvania area was there, and he wa- became very excited over the campfire talking about homemade wine. He has made hundreds of gallons of wine per year in his lifetime on average. He's Italian and grew up with wine, and he no longer makes wine. And I said, Chuck, why aren't you making wine any longer? And he said, because everyone would come over to see his wine, see his wine cellar, taste the wine with him, and he was drinking too much wine. Really? So, wait, little lesson to you be learned there. You can drink too much wine? Uh, we haven't gotten there yet, but <laughs> we still aspire to. But that's a good, a good thing to keep in mind. I mean, you don't want to overdo it in this process, which could get easy to do. All right. By the way, I will report that Valley of the Moon has a second uh, varietal. Uh, which they call Rosado D, and I'm going to my pronunciation guide just to get it exactly right. San Giovese. That's how they San say Giovese. it. San Giovese. San uh, Giovese. And this San Giovese, which is sort of a rosé, which means that, uh, by the way, any winemakers out there uh, want to make a rosé, you're just going to press the juice and get it off the skins quickly. But this one is 100% Sangiovese grapes. So it's just the uh, the other uh, red that we're <laughs> drinking that is apparently 100% We've got to get these folks <laughs> off of the moon and talk to them about <laughs> exactly. this. I, I, I am going to contact them tomorrow because I hate to be embarrassed on this show. <laughs> <laughs> By reading somebody else's website without fact-checking it. Well, I do like their website in that you can click on each of the bottles and it shows you the... Uh, you know, the vineyard and the alcohol and what goes into it, pH, acidity, uh, cases, when it was bottled. So uh, truly a nice website. And the rest of the web- web- website looks great, except they don't have the right grape for the wine. Well, for the wine we're drinking. Um, oh, I'm also, I, I am surprised, like, uh, you know, here's their um, Old Vine Zinfandel. 
there's only 665 cases of this made. So that's hard to believe. That is that is an outstanding one. Uh, I think that's why David does not see it in California. This one, Pennsylvania, is sucking up all the production. So that is that. If David, if you can get a hold of that wine, this grab is it. the the first really. Um, brilliant thing i've seen the pennsylvania liquor control board do uh you know go out and find big, what we didn't realize buying power right right we didn't realize this was such a um, a boutique wine it yeah is i delicious. apologize if it was difficult to find yeah i guess we um we blew that uh more research next time by our crack staff all right i have the first email of the night great uh now i don't want you to read along here so look away from your screen and just listen uh, this comes from listener uh, Matthew Osmak, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, one of two wines. Now, don't read it. Don't read it. Uh, just listen along. I can't <clears> see it anyway. Supposedly a true story. Those are expensive glasses I've rented you. <laughs> All right. So uh, Matt says, I'm not a big forwarder, but um, you know he liked this one. has nothing to do with wine except that you know he is a winemaker. We'll read his uh, next wine message. Uh, but here's a... Um, a story that uh, apparently comes out of a uh, local newspaper in Washington State. Um, it's titled Lipstick in School. According to a news report, a certain private school in Washington re- was recently faced with a unique problem. A number of 12-year-old girls, and you've had one of these until recently when she turned 16, yes, uh, had begun to use lipstick. Now, in your experience, is that pretty normal 12 year old that's when they're yeah, going on 12, 20 12 teen i called it 12 teen yes uh, the beginning of insanity uh, so a number of 12 year old girls had begun to use lipstick and they put it on in the bathroom not surprisingly that was fine but after they put on their lipstick they would press their lips to the mirror leaving dozens of little lip prints every night the maintenance man would have to remove them and the next day the girls would put them back pretty annoying if you're a maintenance man Finally, the principal decided that something had to be done. So she, the principal, called all the girls to the bathroom and met them there with the maintenance man. She explained that all these lip prints were causing a major problem for the custodian who had to clean the mirrors every night. Now, you can just imagine the yawns from the little princesses. (laughs) To demonstrate how difficult it was to clean the mirror, she asked the maintenance man to show the girls how much effort was required. He took out a long-handled squeegee, dipped it in the toilet, and cleaned the mirror with it. (laughs) (laughs) Since then, there have been no (laughs) lip prints on the mirror. That's beautiful. And the article concludes by saying, there are teachers, and then there are educators. That is a beautiful story. Thank you for uh, a delightful, delightful email. I... um, when I first read it uh, to one of my office mates, I just I could not read it without laughing. Wow. All right. So uh, let's go into uh, uh, just a follow-on, uh, also from Matt. He says, Dave and Tog, I really enjoyed your last Cellar Dweller show, the dyed, or actually he says dead in the wool. Uh, we called it dyed in the wool, but uh, D I E D. Man, not good. Was a bad choice. I've sampled several. <clears throat> excuse me. I've sampled several Pinot Noirs from New Zealand and have not been impressed with any of them. Tog, one of them even came with a screw cap. I switched to a ninety-five. Now help me out with the pronunciation here. It's P O R C A. Is that Porsa? Porca? 
I'm I'm so bad with. Uh, Can I read this now? Am I allowed to look at? Yes, my screen? you are allowed to look at your screen. I'll look up my pronunciation guide so I can sound intelligent here. Although there's way too many P O R. No, see, there's a Porto, but there's not the Porca or Porsa, the Merca, and then he puts in parentheses like this is going to help Vino Tinto from the Douro Valley in Portugal. Uh, pardon my Portuguese. But anyway, the point is that um, it was so much better. He apparently spent three years in Portugal, and his goal while he was there was to find a good table wine for under 100... Escudos. Escudos. Oh, five, thank you for jumping. Five bucks. Okay, so under... I'm sorry, under 1,000 Escudos, which is five bucks. This was one of the best, and it's gotten even better in a cellar because it has loads of tannin. Uh, you know, so we're talking mm-hmm. about a 95 that's mm-hmm. holding up really well, sort of like our Valley of the Moon bucks, here, which yeah. I think would uh, go great. Yeah. Anyway, which, which, by the way, even in this short time, the tannins are breaking bit. down a little bit, and it's uh, getting much smoother. It's actually it, I, this is actually a very good wine. It just needs a little time. That's interesting. Well, so he, he goes on to say that uh, he'd love to sample one of our wines or olive oil. Uh, hint, hint. Our mailing address is, and then he goes on to include it. Um, he does say he's addicted to listening to the show, and uh, maybe we can replace the hole left by the imus firing. So, uh, and then he goes on to say the most important part of the, the the whole message: keep it up, Tog. He's going to the ADA convention in San Francisco. I don't think that's the uh, <clears throat> Association for Disabled Americans, but uh, anyway, he's going to the ADA convention in San Francisco this fall, and hopes to get some time to tour the Napa region with some. Uh, sampling some vino. Way well, to go, Matt. Matt is a DDS brother. Yes. And as for a those DMD from Pitt. Didn't listen to the early show. Welcome to the show. Love to have you aboard. Thank you for the email. God bless you. It looks like the DDSs are jumping on the bandwagon, Tog. Jumping on the bandwagon. All right. Hold the phone. <laughs> Hold the phone. Alice. Jumping on the bandwagon. Do we have an, our first idiom of the night? I think we do have an idiom. Or do we have an idiom before we started? <laughs> well, there was a, an idiom involved. That's, by the way, the email messages flooding in from listeners. Uh, jumping on the bandwagon, to jump on the bandwagon. I'm going to, by the way, the uh, Dictionary the of, Bible of Idioms, idioms <laughs> by Marvin Terban. I, I, I think one of these have been correct so far. <laughs> but they sound good, though. But so, they do sound good. You know, I'm going with that just like the uh, 100% Pinot Noir. <laughs> you know what i <laughs> All right. Last year, nobody liked my idea of a school carnival. Now everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. That's the example use. And um, he says, many years ago, candidates for political office in the United States often rode through town in horse-drawn wagons Mm. upon which a band was playing. A band on a horse-drawn wagon. You know, I think Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton would do well to adopt that strategy. If a candidate was popular... People would jump up onto his bandwagon to show their support. So today we say that people are getting involved, who are getting involved in any activity, uh, you know, they're jumping on the bandwagon. So there you go. Huh. Pretty cool. Does it give a, 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 a uh, obviously 19th century, 1800s? Yeah, I think this is, is going to be about a, yeah. Yeah, 100, yeah. 150 years back. Yeah. 
politics then was uh, was very interesting. Well, they Although used to, not all that different from today. We think of the viciousness of oh, politics man, they today. were if dirty you, back then. If you then. read some of the uh, history of the politics in the 1800s and, and uh, even with Abraham Lincoln, it was it – was, no, we've not – Invented that. Let me put it that way. In our our current twenty first oh, century, totally right. Now I think the one practice that's uh, really gone out of favor, and I think we're all you know poorer for it, is uh, the politicians used to uh, ply voters with quite a bit of mostly ale, beer, but sometimes wine. Uh, George Washington was one of the best at this, and he would go through barrels of beer on election day. Now, how did we lose that? I don't know why that one went out of favor. Oh. I, you know, I, I, hey, uh, Barack Obama, you bring beer to the polling place, or better yet, red wine. <laughs> You've got my vote. All right, mm, Barack would have to bring quite a bit. Of, <laughs> he'd have to stock of... my cellar with uh, linears of, uh, you know, Rothschild before I'd even ask somebody to think about voting for him. But anyway, right. that's my political view. Okay, now I do have a message here that has an attachment. I'm going to get to it. Let me figure out which one this was. we got a bunch of them here, so a uh, bunch of... Lots uh, of email. Yeah, a lot of emails came in, so uh, I don't think it was that one. It wasn't that one. It wasn't that one. I just hang on to that one a, a, a little bit. Uh, Let's get the one about me. About you. I thought that one already was about you. Let's go to... Uh, Oh, this is this is the one you're pointing to. Okay, so um, this comes from Chris, and he addresses it, dear Tog, dot dot dot, and then in smaller letters, a much smaller font. Do you notice the smaller size there? And Dave, Dave, small caps. Yes, uh, and small font. Uh, sorry, Dave, got to boost Tog's ego a little here. He sounded a little forlorn about getting so few emails. So this is an email to you. Uh, I'm feeling fact, better already. Why don't you read it? Do not clam up on this one, okay? Jump right in. Do not clam up. Anyway, great to hear <laughs> you not, guys. Do not clam I'll get up. to that in a minute. This is my time to shine. <laughs> All right. Take it away. It sounds like a second idiom. <laughs> okay, but go for it, Tog. Go for it. Great to hear you guys back on the air again, and happy first anniversary. That's right. We've been on the air for a year. More than a year. And we still have three listeners. So please don't feel like you have to read all or that's, any of that's this That's a 50% increase from last week. <laughs> Too long. Last week was a great show, and the topic about oxidation was excellent. Thank you for confirming my thoughts and concerns about a lot of the oxidation issues. And that, that is a big issue. Right. That so does, issue. The, the quick summary there is yeah. oxygen in the beginning is okay, even good. It's going to drive During fermentation. The, right? right. The yeast needs it to ferment. Later in the process, bottling, racking, uh, you know, aging, oxygen can be very bad. So that's the, the, you, you, if you missed two shows ago and last show, that's it. You're all caught up. There you go. And he can he goes on, but uh, becoming more careful as time goes on, obviously, during aging and bottling. Let's face it. As home winemakers, even the most careful of us are probably going to see the most <coughs> oxygen uptake during bottling. During bottling. We're going to talk about that tonight. Ah, very good point, Chris. So, I've always looked at oxygen, oxygenation as sort of a cumulative process over time, meaning that if I've been careful enough, especially throughout the later rackings and with proper SO2 levels, of course, that gives me the most amount of oops factor leeway during bottling. Hmm, good thought. Having said that, I'm going to be bottling about 18 gallons of an 05 Cabernet Merlot slash cab 
Cabernet Franc. I Franc like blend. the blend. I like the blend from Brem. Peter Brem. Peter grapes. Brem. We've talked about a Peter Brem. Peter Brem Grapes, Mr. Vineyard Owner. Um, he would be the perfect sponsor for this show. Peter, we're still looking for I you. I think we've sold thousands of dollars of Peter Brem grapes at Tens this point. of thousands is the last count. Is that right? Yes. In fact, he's run out of many of the uh, varietals that we've talked about. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is true. Peter, we could, use, right. we could use a part-time engineer here in the studio. Anyway, um, where was I? <laughs> so <laughs> Clamming up. <laughs> in another, in another, uh, so I would love... I would love it if you guys could segue into or squeeze in a segment about bottling techniques, which we're going to talk we about We are going to tonight. talk about, we, thanks to your we've suggestion. Become, I wouldn't say experts on bottling, but we're quite good at it. And if you or any of your listeners use an in, enomatic you know, bottler... Wow, and he put a, he posted a website there for that. I would love to hear some feedback on it as I'm considering getting one. Also regarding the barrel issues you touched on on slash micro oxygenation versus maintenance slash upkeep. Have you looked into flex tanks, which I believe we have, we have we in the past purchased one yet? But, it but is when our barrels when are our spent, we are flex tank bound. We are. We like I'm, that technology. I'm considering this as well. Once I step up my volume. Cheers, Chris, Pompano Beach, Florida. Thank you, Chris. How your how your um, uh, climb up. Well, uh, in Florida, we talked about in the warmer climates about oh, yeah, the fermentation, challenge, right, the challenges exactly. you have down there. God bless you for doing what you're doing to Peter Brem, though. Maybe you're doing it in your winter months when it's a little cooler. But we love the idea of those types of um, flex tanks. We're going to get into that uh, in future shows. Um, we talked about that in the past. When our um, oak barrels are spent, which we've got a few years to go, yeah, I think and I still, still love the there's there's a uh, nuance to the oak the, barrels. The it's wonderful character of the oak barrels. It's the same thing I love about corks. And maybe we'll segue into them. Maybe we'll get into future processes where we'll have half in flex tanks and half in oak barrels and start to compare and bottle them separately. But great email. Thank you for it. Thank you for the questions. Bottling, I think maybe. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm being passionate as I am you about winemaking. And food. And food. I would say bottling may be one of the most critical processes in terms of oxygenation, negative oxygenation. You could definitely blow it at bottling. You could and you blow it. You don't want a lot of oxygen you could be that lazy. late in the process. Yes, yes. So, Absolutely. So. Now, I will comment real quickly on this uh, enomatic machine. We've got it here on the website. I, I have to be honest. This is the first I'm hearing of this rascal. Right, but I did a little bit of research just because he did ask a question there. What's our opinion? And so understand we are totally unqualified to uh, render an opinion on this other than reading the website. We haven't been qualified to talk about anything. <laughs> well, that's that's not going to stop us yeah, now. That's not going to stop us. Uh, uh, we will pretty much render an opinion on anything, whether we know anything about it or not, and most of the things we don't know anything about, but what the heck. So uh, this uh, Enomatic is interesting. It's very small, and yet it has a capacity of 250 bottles per hour, which I think is phenomenal, which, you know, that, that means you're knocking off several, um, you know, three, four, five per minute. I like 20 that. 20 cases per hour? We don't do that? 
uh, with our manual process? I don't know. Um, here's where I don't. I, think th- I don't think so. Rocks. That's that's faster than us. I think. Right. This thing rocks in uh, in two ways. Uh, number one, it fills the bottles automatically to the right height. Sweet. And that's one of the that's things that sweet. we really struggle with. We're going to talk again uh, in the second part of the show about bottling. But one of the real challenges of bottling is. Um, getting the bottle filled up to a consistent height, and this thing you set it and forget it, it just uh, it just does it. So I really like that about it. It also uses a um, vacuum pressure to uh, fill the the bottle. So um, I know, think pumping that's, air behind it. So that's good. Yeah. So I think that's uh, that's a real plus. Um, the machine is not. Uh, putting the wine through any um, you know metal, metal or even plastic mechanical parts, and so uh, looking at this thing, I think it um, it makes a lot of sense. Hmm. I did then jump around to a few websites, and if I've got the match right here, we've got uh, let's see, we've got it. Uh, oh, I lost it. There's a whole bunch of different filling machines on this uh, website, which is stpats p a t s dot com. And then they've got a category called uh, filling machines. Um, but on this page, I found this puppy. Um, there it is. And it, it, is. it even comes with a uh, filter. Um, I recommend against the filter. I like the idea of I racking. I agree with that. I agree with uh, that. Rack well and skip the filtering process. Plus, you can throw that two, uh, 250 bottles an hour out the window if you're going yeah, to filter. Yeah, if you're going to filter. Exactly. Uh, but it, it appears that they're selling it on this website for... Uh, two ninety five for the basic unit, another hundred and thirty for the filter, which you do not need. And um, you know what? For for three hundred dollars to um, get a system that will uh, fill your bottles to a consistent height, that is doing it in a way where it's not introducing a lot of oxygen, it's not running the wine through um, you know some kind of mechanical pump. Uh, and I, my unqualified opinion is that this is a uh, a good product. And frankly, I think. This is probably the area where we could use an upgrade uh, to our process. We pretty much own all the other key equipment that we need at this point, save for we've been doing uh, bottle filling in a very low-tech way. What do you think there, Tog? Well, it uses a vacuum. We use we use siphon, which uh, a is, gravity siphon, which is right. a gravity siphon. I I I I need to read more about it to see the advantages of that. Other beyond the uh, more con- concise 750 milliliters each bottle the same, which which is big because we we may tend to enter and it's very easy to in, in uh, enter more oxygen than you want in the bottling processes when you fill you get a little bit of foaming perhaps you're not sure where the level is you have to come back you have to fill again I think we're entering more oxygen than we probably would like to doing it manually with the gravity feed that we've been doing. All if right, that well, can do a precise level in the bottle each time, that's got to be a huge advantage. That's got to be a huge advantage. All right, now and, back and, to the business at hand. And we're going to talk more about uh, bottling and our specific techniques as we get to the end. I was telling you not to clam up, but at this point I think it's time to clam up. Yeah? You're telling me to clam up. Tog. With all the email of Tog, let, let Tog, Tog speak. speak. All right, so uh, we don't want Tog to clam up, but um, here is um, the explanation, according to Marvin, of where that expression came from. An imaginative writer once thought that a person's lips 
were like two halves of a clamshell. Ah, very I, good. I guess. I'd like to know who the uh, writer was, but Morris apparently was drinking himself and didn't uh, finish his research. Uh, when it wants to, a clam can shut its shell very tightly, quite hard to pry open. That's what gave the writer the idea to write clam up to mean to shut your lips and keep information to yourself. Uh, other similar idioms include button up, button your lip, and zip your lips. And in fact, I recall the slogan from uh, the World War II, maybe it even goes back to World War I, loose lips sink ships. So all sorts of flavors of idioms and slogans and so on. With the lips, welcome... JB down in Austin, Texas. Hey there, Snow Chase JB. Amigo. Absolutely. Welcome to the show. And uh, we're going to have to jump to uh, listener, or sorry, to to news here, even though we're not done with the email, because we got several Texas stories. Uh, Poway Slugger chimes in and says he's drinking the 2003 Rancho Zabeco Sonoma, uh, Sonoma Zin. Mmm. Oh, we've done that a yep. few shows that was back, a few months back. Absolutely delightful. That's that's a that's a good deal. That's and, a good zin. Uh, hey, Taylor, place. welcome to the uh, to the show. Uh, we are you know late, disorganized as usual, but let's keep on chugging. So let's go to the. Uh, I think it's time for the wine news. Time for wine news. All right, David, thank you for the wine news theme. And uh, while we're on the uh, Texas story, uh, Passionate One, may I get a refill there? You certainly That went down way too easy. Of the hard-to-find Valley of the Moon Sangiovese made with Pinot Noir grapes. You know, I am calling them tomorrow. I I hate to be embarrassed (laughs) on this show. I'm rarely embarrassed. I'm embarrassed at the fact that we pull up their website and they list 100% Pinot Noir for <laughs> their Sangiovese. Yeah, I think they violated California's labeling laws or else California's <laughs> website laws. One or the other law has been violated. Or they just want to violate our oh, show. Thank you there, sir. Um, so, uh, wine news, and we will get back to uh, listener email in a bit because we got a bunch more of them. Um, this wine news came out on April 23rd and was originally titled Easter Freeze Damaged States Grape Crop. Ooh, ooh, where was that? Texas. Texas. So I have retitled it. Texas has a wine crop? I I retitled it Texas Wine Problem. Does anybody care? (laughs) Because I didn't know Texas had wine. Actually, they do. Actually, I have visited some wineries with JB in Texas. Really? Man. Okay, well. One time we did, yes. I'm not going to read most of this, but the the highlights say that a... um, uh, farmers and our hearts go out to them because we know they only make the five to seven percent margin, not the big bucks that the wineries yeah, the, make. The, the, God bless the farmers. They are recovering from devastating drought conditions in 06, and now they're sizing up their losses from the latest weather calamity to hit Texas: freezing temperatures. I guess that's what happens. When they you did, get they got hammered warming. down there. Yeah. Easter. <laughs> Where's Al Gore? Al, can you hear yeah, us? Really, Al, in? come on, baby. Uh, an estimated 75% of this year's grape crop is damaged due mm. to the freeze. Uh, but it goes on for line after line after line after line. Lots of comments, but here's what it says at the end. And this is something we know about wine. The silver lining is the quality could be exceptionally high, 
uh, because the minerals and flavors, the terroir, which it doesn't use in this article because it comes from a Texas paper. It'd be terroir. Uh, no, it'd be ter- terror or something like that in Texas. But uh, it's very concentrated because of the light load. So you get very few grapes. Right. You get a more intense flavor. So um, maybe this bodes well for Texas vino in, what, a few years down the road. Look at the 2010 release of the 07 Vintage. Well, uh, for our listeners, let me clarify some things. So, so we had early, very cold weather in Texas which JB, who I happen to know quite well, informed me of. Uh, they actually had snow in that area over Easter, we, which we had here in Western PA. But to have yeah, it in Texas, Austin, that's Texas, a, that's a different Easter, thing. That's pretty crazy. So, he says tonight they're dealing with tornado watches. So that's ah. the late breaking news for all of you that have skipped out on uh, – actually, the, I think uh, American Idol – uh, it's Idol Gives Back tonight. It might be over now. I forget it's, if it ends yeah, at 10 or 11. Now. So let's assume that that audience is now flooding into we the show. We should be flooding in a so minute. So the late-breaking news for the large audience that's just joined the show from Texas, watch out for tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John, for making us sound smarter. So what you're telling me is early cold weather is going to freeze out the budding of the vines – but the remaining hardy buds are going to be more concentrated because you've got the same roots and the same process going on, but on fewer berries. That's correct? exactly right. And in fact, <clears throat> this is a process that uh, the typical what they call wine grower, the grower of wine grapes, uh, does manually, where they go in and they they strip off leaves, they you know cut off. Uh, um, stalks, uh, stems, etc., to make sure they're getting only a certain load out of the vine. So it, the, the idea is not to maximize the yield of your vines when producing uh, wine grapes, but to get, um, if I recall, typically they're aiming for you know four tons per acre, plus or minus. Uh, and you can get a lot more than that if you're growing you know, Welch's grapes. Wow, the, the Zabaco bottles were only seven bucks each. Uh, where is that? Yeah, Poway Slugger, where the heck po do you Way live? Slugger. Because I think we're going to move there. Seven bucks, that's about a $12 bottle in Western PA. Yeah, we could probably, uh, no, I'm not going to go there. That would be illegal. And our buddy David in California has informed us that uh, he's never seen a bottle of Valley of the Moon Sangiovese, which, this is made in California, but it's not there. But according to their website, it's, it's all pretty been low volumes. And right. it looks like the uh, PLC in, uh, in Pennsylvania has bought up most of it. It's too bad because it's a Way to go. Nice the wine. PLCB did something right. Something right. Woo-hoo! Including opening their stores on Sundays. That was a big plus. Uh, for those of you not in Pennsylvania, we used to not be able to buy wine on Sundays, which means, means you had to plan ahead. You never wanted to be short, so you can't had to buy it in supermarkets. Buy extra. No, you can't. There's only there's there there are less than 700 locations in the great state of Pennsylvania, which is 300 miles wide and about 150 miles high. 700 locations in the whole state to buy wine. That's a crime. That that's, is a crime. That's um, that's big government. All right. So we next hit- next news item. There, passionate one. Well, I've got a number of news items, but I'm going to share one. I'm going to break ranks here. Break ranks. All right. See if you can look that up in your idiom book of idioms. I'll see idiom book. It handed me one that I'm going to read in our next show because I have to study it because I I love ripping on the the French. 
and and I have, we have yet another reason to. But I have a bit of wine news from the Wine Spectator, <laughs> okay. the most recent Wine Spectator, right. which I'm going to share because because this is this is a bit austere and and in reverence to. Ernest Gallo passed ah, away. Yes, he he died a few weeks ago. We should we should. I'm hitting my microphone. I'm a little verklempt. We should all cheer. Ernest wait, Gallo. Wait, that wasn't a toast. Come on, no. oh, a real toast. No. There you go. Now, according to everyone that dealt with the Gallo brothers, they could be tough, tough businessmen. Tough, tough businessmen. You don't but get to be number one. And define a whole a whole industry by being you know that, pansy ass. It that's exactly right. You, it took it took people like Ernest and Julio Gallo to establish a wine culture and a wine region in this country. And you had to in be California, tough. right? You yeah. had to be French if you made wine yeah. in Italy you, or you, Spain. You absolutely had to be tough SOBs to make it happen. And God bless them for doing it. And 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 I probably. Uh, if I had to deal with them, if I was in the industry, it was probably difficult. In fact, Dave and I had the uh, the the privilege of of meeting um, uh, Ed Segicio yes. in some in Sonoma, and he has some some Gallo stories. But while so, sort of um, you know a little difficult for him, he still had reverence and respect for them because of of what they've established in in California. Establishing it as a premier wine-producing area in the world, and um, it took folks like the, the the Gallo brothers to do that. And he passed away. And there's a great article if you can pick up the uh, May 15th Wine Spectator, um, which talks a lot about Cabernet. There's a Cabernet Sauvignon. There's a, it's a, there's a lot of great articles in there. But check it out and read it. It's very good. Um, they were both in their gosh. They were almost 90. They were late 80s. Lived a good, long, hard life. They were tough guys uh, in a tough area, in a tough time, and it took people like that to establish that. And um, regardless of what some folks may have had some tough dealings with them, or hats off to them, and and long live uh, the Gallo brothers. So I just wanted to share that quickly. Long live the Gallo brothers, one of whom just died. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just Long pointing out the tradition the, uh, of the being tradition. I like that of 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 establishing uh, wine in California. They they a lot of credit to them. But the wine news that I want to share with our listeners this just in another wine and health. We have read probably more wine and health articles and information and news on our show than maybe anybody in the world. I'd be willing to throw the gauntlet out there. <laughs> oh, yet, yet another idiom. Oh, man, I still didn't find the last one. We have informed people of more wine news, than, and, and especially in regards to health, than maybe anybody on the planet. But this is a real shocker. You've heard us say this before. In the Wine Spectator... By the way, I got break a leg and break the ice, but... Uh... I'm still lost on the other one. All the right, gauntlet. So Look for the I'm going to go throw down the gauntlet. Throw down okay. the gauntlet. Light to moderate wine drinkers live longer, study finds. And what, well, we've what talked about con- this. Absolutely. What constitutes moderate? Less than four bottles a day? Well, <laughs> I'm still trying to reach that moderate level. I'll have to throw a bottle or two away a day. All right, I got throw a curve, throw in a monkey wrench, throw caution to the wind, throw cold water on something, throw in the towel, throw the baby out with the bathwater, throw the book at someone, throw your hat in the ring, throw your weight around, no throw down the gauntlet. 
Is it throw down the gauntlet? I don't know. What did you think it was? Look up gauntlet. Okay, I'll look that one up in the index here. Anyway, the article goes on that uh, drinking a little wine every day may add years to your life, according to a team of Dutch researchers. Now, here's the thing. How many of these studies have been in Europe? Dutch. Since the 1600s, I mean, when you get past Van Gogh, when you get past uh, Rembrandt, what have the Dutch given us? I mean, if you look at that country now, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little uh, disturbed with them, quite honestly. Wait, wait, wait. And, and I was we, just... we don't have any Dutch sponsors, so I'm going to, I'm going to <laughs> oh, speak from the heart. P.O. another uh, whole group of potential sponsors and listeners. Although, look. Look, look, look. I, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. What I, do you want to say? Well, I just want to say I'm thankful that they, they're studying wine. I mean, what else do they have to do over there? It's so flat. They got their fingers in the dike. Anyway. Wait, wait. Um, I do want to, before you go beyond the Dutch, I was just out in Phoenix, and they've got a phenomenal uh, Rembrandt exhibit at the Ricks Museum, from the Ricks Museum, right now at the Phoenix Museum of Art. It was superb. Mm. And uh, I must Rembrandt's say there were some favorite. truly inspirational paintings in there that weren't Rembrandt. Mm. So uh, th- they had collected uh, students and uh, contemporaries and teachers of Rembrandt. So people had connections. And, uh, boy, there was one in there that was a, a still life of wine and fruit and cheese. But it conveyed, um, I think, better than pretty much any painting I'd seen, the um, ephemeral nature of life and just the you know you looked at that painting and it was there's the good life and seize the moment all sort of in one in one, one yeah. thing that's which awesome. was phenomenal that's what that's what's great about by the way art. you also mentioned you said 1600s which you're right that's the time of rembrandt do you know this is so bizarre you brought this up but i actually had dinner tonight and a product that i consumed with my dinner was made by a company formed in 1645 now, how often does that happen? You want to take a quick guess at... Uh... I know exactly who it is. <laughs> By the year? <laughs> yes. Okay, wait, wait, wait. This is good. We didn't practice this ahead of time. You know exactly who it is. Yes. Iron City Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm no. wrong? No. Iron City... I, you know what? I don't think Iron City... Actually, Pittsburgh Arn. wasn't even formed in eight, in 1645. Uh Here's the, uh, a tea the, the deal. Uh, oh, you're getting closer. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. So hey, Brian. what it was, was uh, I grabbed, uh, I was down at Carnegie Mellon University to, to talk to one of their uh, entrepreneurism classes tonight. And um, I grabbed a little uh, sushi dinner. And with the sushi dinner came two little packets of soy sauce. And the company, which, which was called Yomasa, uh, was formed in not... 1965 or 1865 or 1765 or even 1665, but 1645. That's a hell of a long run. Think about how many people, how many generations have worked at that company making soy sauce since 1645. Yomasa. Yomasa. You know, it's interesting because I just bought a boom box from Yomama, (laughs) (laughs) which was born in... 1995. No, no, you're thinking of Yo-Yo Ma. Not Yo Mama, Yo-Yo Ma. Yo Mama. All right. Okay, can I finish my article? (laughs) Let Tog speak. Take it away. Take it away. Well, not surprisingly, the study in the Netherlands, in in, uh, the Dutch researchers, found that long-term light alcohol intake among middle-aged men 
isn't this interesting? It only worked with men. Oh, middle age men. That's us. That's pretty much with, us. With lower cardiovascular and all cause, all cause, they called it, death risk, but longer life expectancy, uh, which we've talked about numerous times. I, I don't think there's any doubt about this, but it's just, it's just another study that, that um, confirms what um, I know, which is why I try to drink you know, as much as I can. Anyway, uh, it, it went, it, what was interesting about this particular study was that it dealt with men born, now listen to this, between 1900 and 1920. Wow. So this wow. This this is going back across a generation that's not been, you know, the MTV generation. Definitely not. And they were surveyed about their dietary uh, intake and their lifestyle habits between the times, but listen to this, from 1960 to 2000. So these were folks 60 to 80 years old when they were or older when they were working on this study. Amazing. Wow. Which, so that's pretty unique. That's something we've not read about before. So my hat's off to the Dutch for that. But here, let me just uh, summarize by saying that um, that on average, light and moderate drinkers of any type of alcohol lived 1.6 years longer than non-drinkers in this study. Of which, any type of, of We're not talking about vino. Right. Okay. Just any type of alcohol, which, which yeah, 1.6 years when you're 85, you know, okay, maybe. But if the alcoholic beverage of choice was wine, that figure jumped to 3.8, which is twice, well, double. So in, I'm in ready this, to this, jump off on in, that one. In this type of research, it's double. So just expand that a little bit. I mean, you're talking about folks who have not had the benefit of, of all of the, the health issues that we have. Uh, just imagine, I think that alcohol consumption at a reasonable level is healthy, but I think there's no doubt each re- each study seems to confirm that wine consumption is even healthier than other levels of alcohol or other types of alcohol. So there, there you go from the uh, Wine Spectator. Brilliant. May fifteenth. Thank you, Wine Spectator. Now I'm gonna just follow right on that one. We're still in uh, listener news, although I think we're gonna have to wrap up part one of the shoe here uh, with this item. And then we'll go on to uh, continue part two. Um, this is Stay tuned if you want to find out our expertise on bottling and and, and what we're going to drink next show. Hopefully we'll pick one that's – we better go with something more I, mainstream. I apologize. I, I thought I got this in Pennsylvania. Well, we see anywhere. this all the time here. I, I yeah. would have figured if we're seeing it in Pennsylvania. So, uh, you know, it's a, a mistake anybody could have made. All right. So this is uh, out of Bottom Line Personal, which um, if you're not familiar with Bottom Line Personal – or sorry, this one's Bottom Line Health. I read several of the Bottom Line uh, newsletters. They actually scan the world for you know health news or you know whatever their topic is. They they have several different segments, and um, you know they sort of condense all of the findings of that month. So this this thing shows up once a month, and it just has all the you know here's the bottom line. So love this thing. They're not a sponsor yet. Um, so they start out by talking about what's called the French paradox, which is the phenomenon that the French have relatively low rates of heart disease, even though, you know, tons of butter, cheese, cream right, sauce, right. and so on. And it's thought to be due, at least in part, to red wine. Now the French probably get slightly more exercise than the average American, but the bottom line is that um, the one big difference is running red wine. from the Germans. Go ahead. <laughs> 
Did I say that out loud? I hope not, because it's going to totally blow up the French, the potential, <laughs> the one potential still French looking for that. that's left. <laughs> you know, the French screwed up big time in World War II in that they thought if they built the single line of defenses, which they called the Maginot, Maginot line, line right. you know, they got all these big fortifications Lots and of guns, concrete. yeah, that they could stop the Germans. The Germans with uh, what was it, what was it they called it the, uh, the Blitzkrieg, Blitzkrieg. Uh, that means fast right <laughs> exactly just zip right through it. Well, the Maginot Line they didn't really think about being able to turn the guns around, and so once the Germans you know z- 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 sprinted through it, uh, that thing was pretty much uh, worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, please don't put the French down. You know how. Oh no, right, I know me. how. I know. <laughs> How much respect you show for our French listeners. (laughs) Excuse me. Please. Okay. Now, uh, let the record show that was Tog interrupting the wine news. Um, Now, the scientific evidence, we're talking the French paradox, is starting to show that red wine not only reduces the risk for heart disease... (laughs) but also for stroke and what's called metabolic syndrome, which is a whole bunch of health problems that can lead to heart disease and diabetes. <laughs> what? I, I just have another definition of the French paradox. <laughs> okay. Lay it's, it on me. It's French and successful <laughs> economy. That's a paradox. That's an oxymoron. Oh, man. So uh, red wine helps people live longer, and I like this one, avoid dementia. Ah. I guess other than in the moment. So um, now scientists, the the article goes on to say they're starting to understand what you – if you're looking for maximum or optimum health benefits, what you should be looking for. The mass-produced sweet red wines – with high alcohol content above 14%, that's not going to offer the health benefits. It turns out that um, you you need to look for a few other things. Um, they do compare white wine versus red. You want to focus on red, and it's the you know it's the Cabernet, it's the Zinfandel, it's the varietals that we're typically uh, working with. And the reason is, at least according to the animal experiments that they're doing, they've got these polyphenols. Uh, chemicals found abundantly in dark or colorful fruit uh, foods such as uh, red and purple grapes, cocoa, pomegranates. Uh, cocoa, uh, yeah. The health benefits of that are just really coming out. Right, exactly. The so they stop the buildup of the you know the fat in in arteries, the artery blockage, the hard, hardening of the arteries. Um, they also go on to say that um, they they talk about the most potent polyphenols in red wines are something they call the uh, procyanidids or something like that. Pro Cyanidins, sorry, procyanidins. Um, that is what's uh, really healthful, and um, that the healthful plant sub- stu- substances over time become condensed uh, tannins. So part of what you're getting here is the tannins, mm. which are coming from the skins, the uh, the stems, and even from the uh, the oaks that are used in, Wh- in which wine. would explain why the health benefits of white wines aren't quite as Good because you're not getting all of that the skin from exposure, the skin. Generally, right. not the oak exposure, right. etc. So red wine is is pretty unique in the whole alcohol benefit program. Exactly. Here. Now they do have one caveat here at the end. Uh, we've talked a lot about the benefits of resveratrol, 
Ah, resveratrol. Right. But they say to get enough resveratrol, you would need to drink 1,000 quarts of wine a day. So apparently, while resveratrol has very significant benefits, it's only in dramatically higher concentrations. And so at least this article, they seem to say it's the polyphenols, not the resveratrol. Whoa, well, this is big news it's, then. It's, because it's all, than all, all the health before. news we've been reading for the past year have definitely referred to the benefits of, re- of resveratrol in normal wine consumption. Not that I'm opposed to a few gallons of red wine a day or whatever that recommended, but but this is apparently saying that the health benefit isn't from resveratrol because we're not we can't consume enough of it. That's what they're saying. Who, where, where uh, was the study? Uh, this well, is, this, is, this from, is this from France? <laughs> probably was. Uh, the source was. Um, Uh, I guess this goes mostly from uh, an interview with an individual named Roger Corder, who is a Ph.D. professor of uh, experimental therapeutics at William Harvey Research Institute, Queen Mary's School of Medicine and Dentistry in London. Must be good if he's a dentist. He's an author of more than 100 scientific studies, and uh, you know, mostly he does research on diabetes and uh, heart disease and the healthful benefits of wine. So... Uh, there's a guy who knows a lot. Um, hmm. uh, we'll call that still developing science. He does yeah, say one other interesting thing Sort of here. like global warming. I mean, you're looking for a, uh, a cause and effect when it yeah. may not be there. Yeah, there's no question that the planet is warming up a bit. I think the real question is why. Mm, half a degree in the past century. His summary more. here, or, or his bottom line point, is that the most healthful way to drink red wine is the classic French way, a few small glasses with a meal. All right, well... I won't, I won't argue with that. On that, I think we should... Uh, You've wasted a perfectly good hour and 20 minutes, 10 minutes with us. Absolutely. I think it's time to uh, call it a night. Uh, this is the end of part one of the show. We're going to be back with uh, part two here in a moment. Just a few minutes. For those of you listening live on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock on TalkShoe, TalkCast ID 18. You don't even have to sign up. All you've got to do is uh, find us on the live page, Cellar Dwellers. And uh, tune in, click the listen icon. You can call us by dialing 724-444-7444. You do need to sign up to get your uh, your PIN in order to join in. And um, we're going to be announcing, I guess, in the next show what we drink next week. We do love to get listener email. So you can contact us at cellardwellers at talkshoe.com. I am uh, Dave, and you are... I am the other guy. It's been Stay tuned for... Part 2 Live. Bottling and more wine news. Or come back in a week, and we'll catch you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.